At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Podcast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again. It is a short edition of the HHC because we got not very much time to prepare for a game today. Not tonight, today. Hornets taking on the Washington Wizards. Let's get right into it. The producer for the Hornets Radio Network, Rob Longo, here with me, Sam Farber, and we are glad to have you all with us. A couple of quick storylines we want to talk about, Rob, before we get into the preview of tonight's game. One is the three-guard lineup. Uh, Hornets debuting a new starting lineup last game against the Utah Jazz featuring LaMelo Ball, Devontae Graham, and Terry Rozier. My personal opinion, I think it's more born out of necessity with P.J. Washington being out than necessarily something that could be a long-standing starting lineup. But we're definitely going to see this combo quite a bit moving forward with either Cody Zeller at the five or with P.J. Washington or at times Miles Bridges even perhaps. Uh, It's just those three guards playing together can be so dynamic. Uh, It's without question they're going to play. Let's hear what Gordon Hayward had to say about the three-guard starting lineup. I thought we got off to a great start. And then, like I said, I think they hit some tough ones there at the end of the first quarter to get them closer and and really give them some momentum going into that second quarter. And then we, we couldn't really... Like I said, throw it in the ocean for a little bit. Certainly was good for us to get off to that good start. 11-2 run to start the game. 4-4 four for four from the floor. I think it spaces the floor out a little bit better for the Hornets, and we always talk about that spacing when P.J. Washington is in the lineup on the floor, a guy that can kind of go to the corner or float to the corner and open up the lanes a little bit. We'll get to this in a little bit about the points in the paint, 
But with those three guard sets, I just think it opens up the middle of the floor a little bit more because you're able to have a guy like LaMelo Ball drive. You saw a lot of his finishes go at the rim on Friday night and the loss to Utah. I think it just spaces the floor better overall. You don't have to worry about everything being crammed and kind of running a glorified triangle offense where you're trying to kick the ball into the post and then you're trying to facilitate it out. Well, I think effectively the size of the players is less of an importance as to what their roles were in that offense. And effectively, Utah and the Hornets were kind of running similar stuff. You know, LaMelo Ball was Donovan Mitchell. He was the one either driving and finishing or, or making those types of plays and occasionally just shooting the three when he had it. And then you know, substitute out Boyan Bogdanovich for Terry Rozier. Now, there's there's pluses and minuses to both. Terry Rozier, I, I think, is the more dynamic of the drivers, and Boyan Bogdanovich is a half foot taller. And so there's some, some certain advantages that come with that, too. So, you know, I think in the way it was played. Now, we don't know how much this is going to go in terms of, you know, sustained run, because we don't know the status at the moment of this taping of Devontae Graham, we don't know how the return eventually of P.J. Washington will affect things. Uh, but I think it is a given that these three are going to play with each other more. And I think it is, as you said, a net positive. Let's hear from one of them. LaMelo Ball chimed in on his thoughts on this three-guard lineup. Uh, yeah, I love the lineup. I mean, I feel like it's hard to defend when you got three guards like that that can always just go and get a bucket. And then even with Gordon right there. So, yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a nice starting spot. And the one thing that we didn't really see a lot on Friday is your favorite Airbnb connection. We didn't see a lot of Miles Bridges. He ended up playing 16 points, but he only had a, or 16 minutes, I should say, only had two points. And I thought it was interesting that Coach Borrego did not start Miles just because it seemed like he's so attached in his success this season with LaMelo Ball. But I understand it. You want to put your best five out on the floor to start the game. I get that. So I'm interested to see today if we're able to see LaMelo out there with Miles and see how those two mesh in different points of them coming on the floor. Yeah, I think, you know, Miles being connected to a point guard, and I think obviously he and Melo had a great connection. I, I don't foresee there being a huge drop-off if that connection uh, were to be asked between him and and Devontae Graham, for instance, you know, I think he he just benefits having a point guard looking for him. And Miles really has thrived coming off the bench. So, you know, I do believe very strongly in the Airbnb combo. And look, they're, they're going to play with each other a lot. I think people get caught up too much in starting and not starting thinking like, OK, the starting five only plays together and the relief five only plays together and never the two shall meet. And that's just not the case. They're, you're going to have different times where, you know, depending on who is taking a break at that particular point in time, different players are going to play with each other. Miles is absolutely going to play with LaMelo. I think at the end of the day, we're going to see a lot of Miles with LaMelo, and it's just a matter of sorting things out. Honestly, again, I, I do believe that this trio starting had more to do with P.J. Washington not being available than anything else, and we're just going to have to see how it goes at this point moving forward uh, health-wise. I mean, every team's going to have to deal with health at a different stage of the game. Uh, Hornets running through a rough patch right here, and it just happened to come at a really bad time considering the opposition. Utah and Philadelphia, two of the biggest, um, most physically dominant teams in the NBA in terms of what they can do on the glass. To not have your starting power forward, uh, that was bad timing, I guess, from the Hornets' perspective.
Yeah, so the other thing that I'm interested to see is you had this three-guard lineup, but then you started again with, with Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham obviously did not finish the game on Friday. We don't know the status of him. But now all of a sudden, you might have a little bit of an issue depth-wise at the point. Because now you're looking at, obviously, LaMelo is your main guy at the one. Who's your rotation guy coming in on the second unit? Is it Terry Rozier? Are you going to try to shift Malik Monk into that role? I'm interested to see how that could shake out. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting conundrum to have. It's similar to the situation with not having P.J. Washington. You know, you look, when you're subbing out P.J. and you bring in Miles Bridges for a spell combined with another center, it makes a lot of sense. Or if Miles is coming in for, say, Cody Zeller and stays in with P.J. and P.J.'s the center, it makes a lot of sense. P.J. is kind of a, a real linchpin to that. Because without him, you get real small real fast. I think similarly from point guard, yes, I do think that there are other players on the roster that can run point, including Gordon Hayward can run point for this team. It's just a matter of, you know, where do you want to make the combos? One last thing to throw in here. There's a great tool on NBA stats that I I love to use. It's a lineup tool, and you can set different parameters. It goes based off the net rating for the team, and you can set it based off three-player lineup, four-player lineup. It's basically all the combinations and how many minutes they played together. If you look at the Hornets, 50 minimum minutes for a three-player lineup. The number one combination at this point in time, the best net rating is Rozier, Graham, and Ball. They are a plus 22.1. It is the best three-player rating. A close second is Gordon Hayward, Malik Monk, and Devontae Graham. So only one of those three players is still there. So, uh, you know, I, I guess the, the answer is to have the three guards, Malik Monk and Gordon Hayward, and hope you don't run into a center ever. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just trying to think through my head. I'm like, it's an interesting combination. I, I don't just think, don't think, I don't I think, think those there's a big five, enough sample size. Well, it's a very small sample size. They've only played 78 minutes together. But obviously the – Numbers bear it out. Those three guards together, the number one net rating combination on the Hornets. Before we say goodbye to this topic, we have one parting message from LaMelo Ball, which I think is the quarter of the week. We might have to make this a permanent part of the podcast. LaMelo. Thank you. Have a good day. Wear your mask. As we have our masks on in the studio, we even do. though we're six feet apart, maybe we'll work on some plexiglass. Plexiglass. Like, just for some added safety. You know, I think we need to stick with what LaMelo said. Have a good day. Wear your all mask. I think that is truer words never been said because the more you wear your mask, the sooner we can hopefully all get past COVID-19 and then get back to having everyone inside the hive together at Spectrum Center. Remember, season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season are available. You can guarantee your price right now. For more information, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to live chat with a season ticket representative. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you. Remember, Hornets versus the Wizards in early tip time, 1 o'clock. So you might be listening to this one after the game's already over, but that's the beauty of podcasts. You can take them as you need them. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. I thought that was a very interesting number there, that the the best three-player combo on the Hornets in terms of net rating is, in fact, Rozier, Graham, and Ball. And it's just... You know, net rating encompasses both offense and defense. It's not just, well, this three-player combo scores more than anyone. It's both those things put together. So it'd be interesting to see who else is a part of all of those minutes 
to help gloss over the fact that you're running with kind of a smaller group out there. You need a, a bit of a defensive stopper. We've seen different teams at different times try and post up the guards and try and take advantage of what they perceive as a, a advantage they might have man-to-man. It's fascinating that that three-player combo happens to be the number one for net rating for the Hornets at this stage. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it because I'm just kind of shocked that one of the combinations doesn't include the Airbnb connection. That just kind of blows my mind. I thought maybe it would be LaMelo, Miles, and Gordon. Let's see. I'm, I'm going through the bubbles. While I do that, let's talk about paint production. Hornets ran into a buzzsaw in the Utah Jazz. They have a very clear way of attacking a team, and it's shooting a lot of threes and cleaning up on the glass. They did both of those very well in their 138-121 to win over the Hornets. But... Charlotte did do a good job scoring on the interior. Some of that was out of necessity. Hornets didn't shoot particularly well from three, 31% from deep. They also didn't have Devontae Graham for the uh, about two-thirds of that basketball game. That certainly hurts your ability to shoot the deep ball. But I thought overall the Hornets did a good job of finding players on the interior, and in particular LaMelo Ball finding ways to get to the cup, even with Rudy Gobert out there, the number one defensive player, in my opinion, in the NBA. He was able to finish at the rim. I think it all goes back to that lineup with the three-guard set. You have all these guys that are able to spread out the floor a little bit, and you kind of lose track of them in in a sense. And not only did the guards do a really good job, I think Bismack Biombo did a great job coming in. He ended up playing 19 minutes, and he scored 13 points. He was 6-6 from the floor, and he he ended up with an odd number of points because he went 1-2 from the foul line. Everything can't go perfect. It's just the way that the world is. But Biombo coming in off the bench, he hasn't played the last couple games, thought he did a really good job, and there seemed to be a little bit of chemistry. We always hearing LaMelo talk about his teammates, and he's got a really strong connection with Biz. And I think you saw that a little bit there tonight with LaMelo able to drive and then dump it off to Biz at the last second. That's how Biombo got a couple of his baskets. But kudos to LaMelo. He's fearless out there. He is 19 years old. He's going up against a guy like Rudy Gobert, who's listed at 7-2 and is just an absolute prime definition of a traditional rim protector. If you go in the paint, you're probably going to either get some contact against him, you're going to get swatted, or both. And Lamella did a really good job using that floater shot that he likes to use so much, runners in the lane, getting the job done, finishing at the rim. And I think that's really important, especially when you're down, because worst case at that point, you get fouled, you go to the line, you try to get some points with the clock stop to get back into the game. No, it's true. And one other thing about that is just the way LaMelo approaches things. And I've talked to him about this before in terms of, you know, how do you make decisions on the floor? Are you seeing things ahead of time and manipulating before you make your decision? Or are you just reacting very fast? And he has an ability in midair to make a decision on is he shooting or is he passing as he's at the peak of his jump, as he's descending from the peak of his jump, that's very difficult to do. So he's able to go up, and you know a lot of coaches try and coach that out of players. Don't leave your feet until you know what you're going to do. Lamelo has the ability, midair, to change his mind. Say, hey, Rudy Gobert's right here, and there's Cody Zeller. There's Biz. Here's the ball. You're now you're going to dunk this, or Rudy is not jumping, so I can finish this now. He is very unique in that ability to make those decisions up to the very last moment. It's remarkable. It's a natural instinct, and that's the only way you can kind of shape it. I mean, 
I can't even figure out what I want for dinner half the time, and I have how many hours to decide that, and he's making these decisions in split-second time whether he's going to shoot or pass. It's just absolutely remarkable. Those two are remarkably similar decision timelines. <laughs> Hornets taking on the Wizards today. We're going to start breaking down the matchup, but want to encourage all of you to download the Hornets app on your mobile device for access to all new features and exclusive content. You don't want to miss the new game day experiences for every game this season, giving you information and digital activations available only through the Hornets app. We've had flashes playing really well in both games. Really good opponents, for the most part, played even except for, you know, one quarter. One quarter has kind of been our downfall in each of those games. Philly, we get down, what, 30 to 13 or whatever, and then playing pretty even the rest of the game. You know, tonight, that second quarter was seemed to be our downfall tonight. So, I mean, I think you, you in losses, you try to take some of the things that you did well and then build on them. I think you also look at all the things you didn't do well and try to improve on them. Certainly Sunday is a huge game for us. You know, we got to learn from this game and get ready for that one. Gordon Hayward talking about the uh, downfall of Charlotte in their last two games, most recently a 138-121 loss to Utah. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the Hornets Hivecast. We're going to get you ready for Washington in a moment, but part of that is whom the Hornets were playing and whom they were playing them without to go up against a Rudy Gobert in Utah, to go up against a Joel Embiid in Philadelphia and not have your full complement of players, and in particular to not have one of your bigs in P.J. Washington. It's hard to play without your your best guys no matter what, but injuries happen to everyone. But when they happen and you're going up against elite teams with elite bigs, it kind of compounds things. But now the Hornets are going to take on a Washington team that is really having a difficult time figuring out uh, everything. <laughs> Washington is 5-14. and 14. They've lost 8 of their last 11 games. They do have an all-star. Actually, they've got a couple, quite frankly. They've got Bradley Beal, as well as Russell Westbrook, and they've got one of the Lopez twins, and Lopez twins to me are all-star caliber centers at times. But this is a team that's had a, a really just rotten start to the year. Bradley Beal, though, has been a difference maker until... Their most recent game, Friday against Miami, he had maybe the worst shooting day of not just his career, his life. He went one for 14 overall, one of seven from three, seven points. He was a minus 25 out there on the floor in 27 minutes in a drubbing in South Beach in Miami. Look, the Hornets, as important as it has been on this recent five-game run, to really make a statement with their wins over Milwaukee and Indiana and Miami on just how good they can be. To be a playoff team, to me, it's all about beating teams, winning games when you're supposed to do it. It's not to say that you're going to win them all, but the Hornets really could use a W right now looking ahead at the schedule. You want to try and sock some of these away. And the Eastern Conference, you know, that play-in game area, that 6-10 to area, it's not going to get any less crowded. So the more wins you can rack up now, the better off you're going to be if you're wearing teal. It almost goes back to that old baseball analogy where it's you win a third of your games, you're going to lose a third of your games. What do you do with that final third of the games? And I think it kind of applies here in basketball a little bit too. The more important thing, I believe, too, is keep in mind this is a division game. So those kind of carry a little bit more weight when you're looking at tiebreakers, head-to-head, that sort of thing, too. So that's another reason that this is a really important game. Like you said, you got to catch those bad teams while they're down. I thought for certain that Washington was going to kind of turn the corner last weekend. They beat Brooklyn 
last Sunday. It was a wild ending. I don't want to say Brooklyn choked it away, but they certainly didn't help its own cause. And Washington was able to come in and win at the almost essentially at the buzzer as those two teams just put up, I think they both put up 140-some points off the top of my head. But I thought they were going to turn the corner. Obviously, that hasn't been the case going 3-7 of seven in our last 10. Oh, no, it's a good point because, I mean, you look at this roster, there's some star power here. Yeah. Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal are exceptional basketball players. And I like the, some of the young guys they've got, Rui Hachimura and Danny Avdia. They're very talented guys. This team is certainly capable of figuring it out. The fact that they haven't yet is not, uh, you know, past is not prologue. It is not proof that they are not going to turn the corner at some point. So you, as you said, it's a it's an apt point. Need to take advantage while they are down and start to put together some more wins, put some more distance between you and the Wizards. It's not the same situation as Miami. I think more people think Miami is going to bounce back at some point than the Wizards will. But a similar concept. You know, if you could put some more distance between you and the team that you expect to make a run at some point, you go ahead and do it, whether that's in a game or in the standings. The Hornets certainly have an opportunity to do it here. As I mentioned, Bradley Beal coming off a really rotten game. The prior three, he was 30-plus points on each occasion. He averaged 35 points a game the three prior to his seven-point uh, dud against Miami. The player I really am keeping an eye on, though, is Russell Westbrook. Westbrook seems to be a barometer for this team. Now, he has been up and down in terms of availability over the course of this season, and his scoring has been intermittent, to say the least. He has had a 40-point game. That was the win over Brooklyn. He has had nine-point games. As of late, he has been under 20 both times. He still is a not great three-point shooter. This is a guy trying to figure it out with his teammates, but you want to take advantage of him and try and keep him down. Easier said than done, I know, with the kind of athlete he is. But here's a number for you. When the Wizards have 24 or more points from Russell Westbrook, they are 2-1. and one. When they don't, they are 3-13. and 13. So 24 points, I'm not going to call it a magic number, but it's a significant number. He's not someone who's going to get a ton from distance. He can get to the line. He hasn't necessarily been doing it as much. He's someone, if you can keep him down, if you can limit it to just Bradley Beal as the only one, steal one of your favorite words, incandescent out there, then you should have a pretty good path to success. Well, what's Russ's average on the year? Do you have it in front of you by chance? His average scoring on the year is 20.6 points. So, I mean, he's getting to that number consistently. And the 41 points is kind of an outlier. Sure. Uh, But, you know, he's pretty regularly in that 15 to 22 range. But I don't know why. 24 points seems to be the magic number. They've beaten Brooklyn twice. He had 24 or more in both of those, and then he had 26 once against Atlanta, and that ended up being a loss. So it just sounds like the teams that don't play defense are the ones that they perform a little bit better against. That could be it, too. We'll go with that. The person that I'm looking at on the other side is David Burtons. The Wizards gave him a five-year deal worth $80 million in the offseason. He shot 42.4% from three-point land last year. He made 200 threes on a dot. This year... Completely different story. He's just shooting 32% through the first month and a half of the season. He was 2-for-2 on Friday night, so he's being a little bit more selective. But bad news for Charlotte was Friday, everybody was hitting for the Jazz three-point-wise. 26 points, franchise record for Utah. Now you get maybe a little bit of a reprieve for a guy that's having a low shooting 
start to the season, and hopefully it does continue in the Sunday, and then he can maybe turn it around later on in the year. But at any rate, that might be good news for the Hornets. Yeah, you, get, you never know. Bertans is a very good shooter. It's not just he he had the one, obviously, spectacular year where he was getting used to such a higher degree by Washington. He also shot the ball pretty well in his last year in San Antonio as well. It goes to show you, in the, in the modern NBA, if you can prove yourself as a good three-point shooter, you can make a lot of money. Uh, I remember talking uh, to Rick Bunnell of the Charlotte Observer after Malik Monk's career high night, and he said he just made himself a lot of money because he's put it out there on tape. This is what I can do if you get me X number of three-point shots a night. And whether that's in a starring role or as a secondary player, as someone you're getting the ball kicked to from a LaMelo ball, from a Gordon Hayward, doesn't really matter to a lot of teams. They want that kind of shooting prowess, and uh, Malik Monk showed it earlier this year for the Hornets, and uh, Bertans has shown it in the past for Washington as well. We'll see what's in store. we got to get going. There's a game today, Hornets and the Wizards. It's a 1 o'clock tip time. We invite you to join us on WFNZ and the Hornets Radio Network. That's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Tomorrow we'll be breaking down this matchup. Everyone, enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy your Hornets basketball. For Rob Longo and everyone here with the Hornets, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us. And we'll talk to you next time on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank y'all. Have a good day. Wear your mask. <laughs>